0: so we're in a series uh today we're in part five of a series called the holy spirit has this been a useful series for anybody it has been it has been tremendously uh, useful to me and i've been learning and growing as we're preaching this series and uh, and so today i want to i want to dive a little deeper into some of the things that the holy spirit has for us to learn today uh let me i want to start with a question How many of you have ever been to either a concert or a symphony or maybe even a church service where you got there early enough to hear the instrumentalists tuning up their instruments, running the scales, and warming up before the event begins? Anybody ever been to something like that? Okay. So when I was a kid, our teachers took us to a symphony. I'd never been to a symphony before. and. There in the orchestra pit were all of these different musicians. These were very talented, gifted musicians, all of whom uh, were amazing at what they did. But we got there early, and they were all tuning their instruments. They were all running scales. They were, were, you know, just kind of doing their thing. They weren't trying to connect with each other. They were just doing their own thing in preparation for the symphony. And so what was coming out of the orchestra pit was a sound without a song. There were instruments being played, there was noise being made, but there wasn't any music being made. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever been, you know, if you come early to to the church, you're going to hear our instruments, you know, hitting the drums and playing the different scales and making sure everything is tuned up. You can hear a sound without a song. And so today I want to, in part five of this series, I want to preach a sermon titled Melody or Mayhem. Melody or Mayhem. Because the Apostle Paul teaches us that the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you guys were here last week to hear about the gifts of the Spirit? If you were not here, please go on our website and watch that sermon. Because every once in a while, I get to preach a sermon that in retrospect, I go, that might have been a little bit of a breakthrough moment for us as a church. Or maybe it was just a breakthrough moment for me as a pastor and a preacher. I don't know. But I got something out of that sermon that I think our church needs. And I think if you haven't seen it, go onto our website and watch it. Because in that, in, that, in that passage we explored last week, the Apostle Paul was teaching us about the gifts of the Spirit, which are basically exactly what they sound like. They are the, the endowments of the Spirit that are deposited in your life for the building up of the body to the glory of God. All right? That's what the Scripture teaches us. In fact, throughout the Scripture, we get to learn about the various gifts of the Spirit, and we see them listed in, in different parts of the Scripture. There's, there are gifts like serving— and teaching and exhortation, <laughs> exhortation is sort of encouragement and, and, and you know, sort of building each other up with empowerment and, and encouragement. Giving is the gift of generosity, people who just give out of the abundance of their heart. Healing, the ability to bring wholeness and health and healing into people, people's lives. Miracles, the ability to do things that are beyond our strength, that, are, that require God's power. Uh, prophecy, the, the ability to speak God's word boldly in, in the right time, in the right environment uh discernment being able to understand the difference between this and that trying to understand what is good and what isn't good uh tongues or languages the ability to speak in a language that you've never learned before interpretation the ability to to interpret something that you've never heard before leadership the ability to marshal people together and take them you know visionary take them places where they've never been before mercy and wisdom knowledge faith it just goes on administration evangelism there are all these gifts the apostle paul teaches uh, that are given to the body of christ to you and me as followers of jesus he gives us these gifts in order to build each other up to bring him glory and if you were here last week we we explored a little bit the two errors that the apostle paul was correcting all right he was correcting two errors in the church One error in the church was the error of people saying, I do not have any gifts. In fact, I'm not sure that the Holy Spirit gives gifts. I'm just a person walking through life not gifted. And the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. You are gifted. If you are a follower of Jesus, he has gifted you with gifts by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? In fact, he said, to each a manifestation of the Spirit is given. Anybody with me? Anybody here last week? To each, a manifestation of the Spirit is given, meaning you are gifted. Say, I am gifted. I am am gifted. You are gifted. We are gifted. So that was one error he was correcting, the people who were saying, I'm not gifted. The other error he was correcting were the people who were saying, oh, yeah, I'm totally gifted. I'm so gifted, I can't even stand myself right now. I'm just gifted all over the place. My gifts are going to just spill out wherever they can because I'm so gifted, I want everybody to know how gifted I am. And to that crowd, he was saying, you are gifted but for the common good. To each a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So he was trying to correct two different errors at the same time. And then that was 1 Corinthians 12. Then in 1 Corinthians 13, he takes it even further because what he's really trying to teach us is that there's a purpose for our gift. And if we're not using the gift for the purpose for which God gave it to us, then it's just, it's like a symphony that's making noise they got sound, but there ain't no song. That's what he's saying. He says this, and this is a famous verse. You probably have heard this. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, then I'm just like, a, like a, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I've got all the gifts from the power of God on high imbued in my body, and I am so gifted I can't even stand it, but I don't have love, then I'm just making noise. Today, I've asked the band to help me with something, okay? And you guys know this band, the, the worship team. They're amazing. Somebody? They're incredible. They, they lead us into worship every, every week. They, they bring us into the presence of God. They, they help us to, you know, sort of get undistracted from the week and just focus our mind on Jesus. They're, God has given all of them the gift of music. He's given them the ability to play and to lead his people together. And so what I ask them to do today we, is to, to take a moment and to make a sound without a song. In other words, to just use their gifts, but don't use their gifts in accordance with each other. Don't use their gifts in harmony with each other. Don't use their gifts in melody with each other. Just do your thing. So band, would you just just for a second just do your thing? Just do your thing. But, yeah. See, the problem, the problem with this band is that even when they're just doing that, they still sound pretty good, right? Thank you, band. Thank you. Can we hear it for the worship team? In some places, they call that jazz, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, if you use your gifts, but without love, you are making noise but you are not making music. He said if you use your gifts, if you are a person who is using the gifts that God gave you, but you're not using them in a way that communicates love to somebody else, you're not using them to bring uh, healing or health or something to somebody else, then you are making noise without music. Now, I don't know, this church, I was telling the first service, here's the hard part about preaching this sermon today. The hard part about preaching this sermon, I think the Apostle Paul was, was preaching to the Corinthians. I mean, I know he was. He was writing to the Corinthians. And, and a lot of them were using their gifts in these kind of ways that, that did not, they were self-aggrandizing. They weren't, they weren't loving. Um, so he was sort of correcting them. As I'm preparing for this sermon, I even told my wife, I said, this is a hard sermon for me to preach because I've never been in an environment where there's so much love as this church. I've never been in an environment my whole life where, where people are actually using their gifts in the way that the, the gospel teaches us to use them in love and care for one another. So, so this is not a necessarily a corrective sermon for our church because I don't I personally in my spirit do not believe this is an area where our church needs correction. I mean but I will say all of us will be and can be and probably have been at times tempted to act in ways that are not out of the abundance of love right? We've all been in environments like that, maybe in our home, maybe on the job, maybe at our school, where we're using our gifts, but it's not flowing out of the, the love, the you know the the abundant agape of God for somebody else. You know what I mean? It's just it's just flowing, and it's just it's not it's not landing. Um, Barna did a research. Uh, Barna Group does these polls. They do these polls, and they do this research, especially around Christian. Uh, Issues and Christian themes, and they did a a poll about millennials. This was several years ago about why millennials leave the church. Why do why do why do young folks leave the church? Um, Why do they grow up in church and then they kind of check out? And it was very interesting because one of the things that they discovered was it wasn't really the beliefs. It wasn't that they changed their orthodoxy. It wasn't that they changed their views about God or Jesus. It was a, a large percentage of them said. I just have stopped experiencing God in the church. That's a lot of them said. I don't, I don't sense a, a, the experience of God in the church. I'm, I'm just not experiencing that. And what I think that boils down to, I think, you know, and we've all, churches, I'm not calling out other churches. Like I think all churches, we've all, and all individuals, we've all been guilty of this at different times in our life. Where we, we act out of duty, out of obligation, out of religious practice out of habit, and we forget the love part. We were at Next Steps uh, yesterday, and we were in step one, and this is beautiful. I mean, this, this, is, this is amazing because one of the participants, one of our new members, we were going around the circle, and everybody was talking about, like, what they, you know, what drew them to the church or why they ended up coming here or whatever, and there was a guy at Next Steps who became a member yesterday, and he said this. He said, you know, I, I came to this church and he said, the day that I came, it was snowy and cold outside. It was really, really cold out there. He said, and I came in, and one of the greeters walked up and gave me this huge hug. He said, I suddenly and immediately felt at home, and now we're joining this church. I was like, so wait a minute. It wasn't the theological brilliance, it wasn't the rhetorical, soaring rhetorical talent that you see up there, man. Like, no, no, no. It it was, it was love. It was love. He experienced the love of God here and said, I want to be here. I want to I be a part of what God is doing. I want to do this. Because the Apostle Paul is saying, look, actually, it doesn't matter how talented you are, we are. It doesn't matter how brilliant we are. It actually doesn't matter how, what, how high of a level our abilities get to, spiritual abilities or, or any other way, our giftedness. What matters is love. In fact, he said this. He said, if I have prophetic powers, and if I can understand all mysteries, and if I have all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Nothing. He said, and if I give away everything that I have, I'm completely generous, and I deliver my body up to be burned. In other words, I'm a martyr for Jesus. I allow myself to be martyred for God. But I don't have love. I gain nothing. He said it all comes down to what's going on in your heart. What's happening in your heart? If you're taking notes, write this down. Motive is greater than mastery. Motive is greater than mastery. How many of you know that you can actually, you can actually you can actually be right and wrong at the same time. Every married person should have their hand up. Every single, every person with a friend. Every, yeah, right? If, if, if you can be right and wrong at the same time. You can, you can be in a discussion, if that's what you want to call it, debate, argument with somebody, right? And you can be technically right, right? But you can be so wrong at the same time. In fact, let me just tell you this. There's a little tip. It's free. It's free for you. We have a marriage seminar coming up in a few weeks, but there's a free tip in advance. You can, if you ever get to the point where you're saying, I'm technically right, you've lost already. It's, it's, it's over. <laughs> you're toast, okay? Right? Because you can be right in the, in the words that you're speaking, but you're, if your heart is wrong, it doesn't matter how right you are. It just doesn't matter. In fact, this is what Jesus faced all the time. Jesus was always addressing religious folks who were technically right. They were actually doing things the right way, but their heart was so wrong. It was just wrong. In fact, the the Pharisees and, and Jesus were always having these conflicts throughout the Gospels. And because the Pharisees, honestly, they were doing things the right way. They were obeying the law, like every single little speck of it, every little teeny tiny piece of it. They were doing it right, but they were doing it for the wrong reasons. They were doing it for the reason of being, you know, promoted so they, could, so they could show other people how great they were. And here's what Jesus, this is how Jesus responded. Some of the strongest words in the Bible. He said this. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Just, you don't ever want Jesus to say, woe to you, right? Don't, just don't put yourself in a situation where Jesus has to go, woe to you. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. He said in the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. He said, look, I see you using your gifts, but you're not using them in love. You're using them for yourself, and you're not advancing the purpose. You're not advancing the mission. You're not advancing the kingdom, right? And when, when any of us do this, when we are tempted, and, and I'll be the first to admit, you know the story of Martha and Mary. You know the story of Mary and Martha, right? I'm a Martha. I just am. I've come, to, I've come to grips with this. I'm a Martha. I'm a person who likes to do the right thing, tries to do it right, and likes it to be lined up, and likes it to be, you know, correct, and I want to be right. I just want it to be the right way, right? But sometimes you can do that to the detriment of actually being right because you're not doing it out of love. You're just doing it because, you know, that's your thing. And in fact, Jesus, when he talked to Mary and Martha, if you remember, Martha was mad at Mary because all Mary was doing was sitting at Jesus' feet, kind of soaking it in, Like, like just loving Jesus. And Martha's going, Mary, you know, I'm out here working. I'm trying to clean the dishes, and I'm trying to get everything straight, and I'm cooking and cleaning and everything, and you're just sitting there at Jesus' feet. Get up and work. And Jesus goes, hey, Martha, back off. Mary's actually got this thing right. Mary's chosen the better part. She's soaking it in. She's, she's experiencing the love of, she's experiencing my love. I want you to experience my love. It, Jesus is saying to somebody today that, that, that the motive is greater than the mastery. Being, being, the motive, the thing, the reason you're doing it is more important than how well you're doing it. You know, I have a file at my house. And in this file, I have uh, little little cards and little um, little artwork, pieces of artwork, and these little things that my kids have made for me. And, you know, they, I try to keep all the stuff that they make for me and put it in, put it in a drawer. And actually, it's not all the stuff because they, they generate a lot of artistic work product in our house. So some of the stuff we put in a different file, and um, they, don't, they don't know where that file is. But, um, but some of the stuff I keep in this file. And I'll tell you why I like it. It's not because it's brilliantly done. It's not because it's masterful. It's not because they're geniuses, even though I kind of think they are. But that's, that's not why, okay? They, it's because they did it out of love. And Jesus is saying to somebody today, look, I, what I really want you to do is love me. I don't actually need you to perform for me. I don't need you to get it all straight. I don't need you to get 100% right. I need you to, I need you to love for me. I need you to just kind of to, to, to and I'm gonna talk about this in a minute. The only way you can love is, the only way you can show love is to receive love. It's a lot, it's actually a lot easier to do the right thing. If you got a little bit of willpower, a little bit of discipline, you can actually line up your P's and Q's. You can get your domino straight. You can kind of get things clicking in the right way. That's actually easier than saying, exposing the brokenness in your life and saying, I need to experience the love of God in the most unlovable parts of my life. But the only way you can live out of love is if you are to receive love. He's saying motive is more important. Motive is more important than mastery. And here's why. Love without gifts is not transferable. Gifts without love is not transformational. I want you to chew on this for a minute. Love without gifts is not transferable. Meaning, if I say I love you, if I say I love you, but I don't use my gifts to serve you, then the love that I say I have for you is not being transferred to you, right? On the other hand, if I am using my gifts that God has given me, but I'm not using them in love, it has no transformational power in your life, has no transformational power in my life. It's like, a, it's like a car, if, you, if, if you've ever had a car where the transmission wasn't working, you have a car where the transmission isn't working, everything else is working. The lights come on, the, the gas work, like everything works, but the car doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere because the transmission is the thing that makes the car move. When you are using your, when you say you have love without gifts, You've got, you know, you're not not actually transferring anything. When you've got all the gifts working and all the lights are on and everything is clicking, but there's no love, it's not transformational. It's not getting you anywhere. It's not taking you anywhere. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you to experience. It's not that I don't want you to use your gifts. I desperately want you to use your gifts. Apostle Paul says, look, pursue the gifts. Seek after them. I wish you had the gifts that that I try to pursue. I, I wish that you would pursue it. Go after the gifts, but you got to do it, he says, in love. And here's why. Here's why. Because when we use our gifts but we don't have love, when we do it without love, you know what we experience? There are a few things. One is we experience mutual resentment. Mutual resentment. If you really want to experience mutual resentment, use your gifts but not in love. How many of you ever, like, I'll give you an example. You're putting the dishes away. All right? You're putting the dishes away. But you're not putting the dishes away in love. (laughs) You're putting them away and you're making sure that they, you're putting them away a little harder than they need to be put away. Come on. Somebody knows what. You're going, okay, you know, because you want the sound of the dishes being put away to be heard by the person who you want to hear it. And you're putting them away, but you're not doing it. You know what? That's, you will generate, you will not generate love. You will not, you will generate mutual resentment. You're already feeling it, and then she's going to feel it too all right, or he's going to feel it, or whoever's doing it, right? And, and this, is, this, is, this is martyrdom. This is when, you know, somebody's doing something for you, but they're not doing it out of love, and you're like, hey, you know what? Come down off the cross. We need the wood, all right? Could you just <laughs> not be a, thank you, not be a martyr right now, because if you're going to do it like that, then I don't even want you to do it. I'll do it. Somebody, is anybody, with me? are we just out there in the wind today? All right, mutual resentment if you're, if you're serving without love. The other thing that you're going to experience is emotional burnout. Yeah. If you're serving but not out of love, you're going to burn yourself out. And this is something that well-meaning, well-intended people do all the time. Religious people like you and me, we do this. In fact, I love, this is, this is reality. Our church has been a haven for people who have experienced emotional and spiritual burnout in their life because they have been trying so hard to do the right thing over and over, and they're trying to do it either out of duty or out of guilt or out of shame or out of, you know, religious kind of, you know, tradition, and, and, and they find that eventually what happens is they're burnt out. They don't even know why they're doing it anymore, and they're just wiped out. They're tired. They're exhausted, and praise God, we are a place where they come. I've had many conversations like this. Hey, Pastor Brent, yeah, I'm totally burnt out on church and life and spiritual things. And I just want to sit and be just, 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 I just want to sit for like a year and not do anything. And I'm like, come on, brother. Come on, sister. Just sit and receive what God has for you. Because you will burn out if you are serving and it's not out of love. It it, it will just wear you out. It will just tire you out, right? So we experience mutual resentment, emotional burnout, and we we also just experience mediocre outcomes anyway. You know what I mean? Like when you're doing, like somebody's serving you, but you know they don't want to be doing what they're doing. You know what I mean? Or you're, you're doing it and you really don't want to do it. You're not doing it out of love. Anybody ever been to the motor vehicle department? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> you know, I got nothing but love for the DMV. But like, you know, a lot of folks just don't want to be there. You know, they don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. Nobody wants to be there. Everybody's in a place that we don't want to be, right? And, and so what happens is you, you, get, you get mediocre you get mediocre service. And you probably give mediocre whatever you're giving. You're like, here's my form, and here's this other form, and I got my other form. And when they say, oh, but you didn't get that form, you're just like, give me my forms. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get my <laughs> form. i got to get my forms. Right? Because we're, we're, we're not doing it out of love. On the other hand, On the other hand, when we live, when we act, when we serve out of love, here are some of the things we experience. When we use our gifts with love, we experience deep fulfillment. Deep fulfillment. I want to shout out. To our lift team, yes. uh, Dominic and Kevin are our lift team leaders. This this is the team. This is the team that gets here at seven a.m. Uh, every Sunday, and they clean everything up. They 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 get all the cigarette butts off the sidewalk. They clean everything. They have they just they do it all. They get it all set up, and then after service ends and T minus oh my gosh, just a few minutes. Then um and then they'll they'll be breaking all this down. They'll be breaking it all down. That's why that's why I always end on time right brothers that's why i always almost in on time and um and and here here's the thing the other day i went up to the family center it was on a sunday and i was going up the next steps and they were in the this area called the escape room up there it wasn't that they were trying to escape they were just that's the name of the room so they were up in the escape room and and they were praying and they were preaching and they were they were i mean they were they were on fire i like wanted to divert and go into their room they were experiencing the power of god because you know what They're doing this out of love. They're doing this because they love you. They're doing this because they love God. They're doing this because they love the mission. They love the vision of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to spread his love and to bring people and God together in love And they're out there killing it in love, right? They're experiencing deep fulfillment in what might seem an unfulfilling task. Right? That's sweeping. That was my sweeping. Um... I don't sweep a lot, but um, that, that's, that, they're, they're, being, they're experiencing fulfillment through this action that would not otherwise be fulfilling because they're doing it in love. Here's the other thing you experience. You experience genuine joy when you're serving out of love, when you're doing things out of love. I have people ask me all the time, they say, Pastor Brent, isn't being, pa- isn't being a pastor hard? You know, just, just isn't it hard? Isn't it difficult? And I kind of want to go, Yeah it's really hard cuz i kind of want them to you know i want i want the glory that they they're, they're ready to give it to me right but the reality is no it's a it is a joy it, for me it is i am so deeply grateful i feel so honored to get to do this job i am so thankful to god for allowing me to do what i do right so i i'm i'm i actually I actually love you. I really love you. I really genuinely love you, and I really love God, and you know why? Because he loved me first when I was totally unlovable, and I'm so grateful for that, that it just now I get to love him back, and I get to love you, and so as a pastor and as a preacher, like, yes, sometimes it's difficult because there are people involved in pastoring somebody, you know, <laughs> some, you know. And, but, but there is a deep and abiding joy because there's, there's love, because it's a place where we're experiencing the love of God in our lives. And we get to pour it out. If you want to do something, to do something that brings you great joy, serve somebody else in love. Yeah. Serve somebody in love. Do something that God has gifted you to do for them to bring glory to God and to bring good to them in love. You're going to experience joy like you've never experienced. And the other thing you get out of this is true excellence. You end up actually, you end up actually excelling at the thing you're doing because you're doing it out of love. You actually do better, right? So, true excellence doesn't mean like, oh, perfection. What it means is you you notice things. You notice what needs to happen. And so, you do things because it needs to happen because you love the people you're serving. That's why the guy that joined our church yesterday got a huge hug from somebody because that somebody was looking at him and going, that dude needs a hug. That's excellence, right? That's because it's love. It's just pouring out in love. There's a show on Netflix. And it's called uh, Seven Days Out. I don't know if any of you have seen this. I've only watched two episodes. Second episode is of a restaurant. It's called 11 Madison Avenue. They're getting ready to open in seven days. So they're getting ready. You know, they're getting all all the things lined up to open this New York restaurant. It's supposed to be the best restaurant. It's being reopened. It's supposed to be the best restaurant in all of the world, according to the people who gauge the restaurants in all of the world, right? So they get, they're the best. And it's so fascinating to watch how meticulous and how excellent they are. They have this one thing that it blew my mind. They're putting the plates down on the table, and all of the plates have the brand of the plate on the bottom of the plate, okay? They're putting the plates down on the table so that the brand is right side up, but on the bottom of the plate. So, like, in other words, nobody's ever going to see that, right? But they're so... That might be too far. They might have gone too <laughs> far. But they're so intent on it being excellent that they're lining the plate up they're doing things that you and i would never ever notice they're so dedicated to excellence because they love it they love the people that they're feeding they love the food that they're serving they love the opportunity to be a part of this they love creating environments and atmospheres where people can come and have a great time and experience you know joy with each other they love it if you want to do something in life that matters do it with love because doing it with love actually gives you these results. It, 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 it turns out that when we act in love, when we do things in love, it transforms the things that we do. It make, takes them from the mundane to the glorious because we're doing them in love. Here's how it happens, and here's the last thing I want to say. Because love promotes spiritual health in you, and it, and it promotes genuine harmony with others. When we do it in love, when we serve in love, when we honor other people in love, when we experience love and we give love. I'm going to have the band help me out with this. When we do it in love, it creates spiritual health in us. You actually grow when you serve other people in love. You grow. Your health, your spiritual health expands. And it creates harmony with other people. You know why? The Apostle Paul tells us in the next line. Here's what he says. He says, because love is patient right? So when you serve in love, it requires you to grow. It requires your spiritual health to expand. You start to become more patient, right? So you become more spiritually healthy when you serve in love. And also, by the way, patience is going to bring harmony between you and the other person. Impatience will bring disharmony, right? But love is patient. Love is kind. You start to grow healthy as a person, spiritually healthy, because you start to be kind, and when you're kind to somebody, that brings harmony. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. You see? you see how love actually expands you? It grows you. It makes you healthier and brings harmony to somebody else. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no, somebody, record of wrongs, right? This is what love does. When you love somebody, you don't go, hey, by the way, you know what? Four years ago, you said to me, and then I said to you, and remember what you said, because you said, to, right? It doesn't happen. <laughs> you act like you guys. You, this is the one thing I do love about our church. You never admit that any of this stuff applies to you. <laughs> so maybe that's why I think you're the best people I've ever met, because I'm up here, at like, at just admitting all my stuff. Um, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres love never fails never fails never fails now now listen to this i'm going to close with this you're you and i we we have these sermons we read this stuff we and we say okay so yeah great how do i get there how do i get there how do i can i just turn on the love crank can i just generate the love where's the love switch what makes me just love here's the reality here's the truth and it's a hard truth but it's an easy truth at the same time. You only can give what you have received. That's all you can give, what you've received. So to love somebody, all you've got to do is open up the unlovable parts of your life and receive the love that God has for you. That's hard to do because I like to protect the unlovable parts of my life. I like to put them in compartments, box them off, lock the door, throw away the key, right? But then I don't get to experience love there so there's a part of me that cannot, cannot express love to somebody else. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. And so God is saying, look, here's my, here's my takeaway. It's not an eight-point thing. Do these eight things and you'll love somebody. Receive God's love in your heart, in the unlovable parts of your heart. Open up your heart to receive it because that's where you start to experience health, growth in your own gifts, and harmony with somebody else. I'm going to close with the band illustrating this. Here's what happens when you begin to experience love. You start to develop your own gifts. Go ahead, Mark. You start to use your own gifts, right? The gifts that God has given you. And then other people begin to hear the gifts that you're giving, and they begin to use their gifts. And it creates a harmony. It creates a consistency. It it goes from sound to song. It, it, It goes from noise to music. And then somebody else joins in. And they're now experiencing the love that you're giving, and so now they're returning the love to somebody else. And then that person is now joining you and other people. And then there's love flowing and it's creating a growth in you. And it's creating a harmony with other people. And now it's not an orchestra pit full of people doing their own thing. It starts to create a song. It starts. It's not a, 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 a clanging cymbal and a resounding gong. It's a beautiful melody. Because all of the people are starting to use their love right and use their gifts to love one another clarine lead us a little bit in that song just to bring it through So then, when people serve you in love, you're experiencing that love, then it allows you to use the gifts that God has given you to love somebody else, to serve somebody else. And pretty soon, it's not only transferable, it's transformational. Love is stronger than death. By this, all men will know you're my disciples because of your love one for another. Greatest commandment, love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything begins to change when we, we begin to experience love not just for ourselves, but we begin to share it with somebody else and it creates a harmony and it creates a melody and it creates a beauty and then suddenly we're transforming a city and suddenly we're transforming a nation and suddenly we're transforming a world by the power of God's love, not by our own strength, but through the power of God's love in our life. Would you stand with me? I want to just pray for you right now. I want to pray, not that you will go out and and, and do the 14 things you need to do in order to line up with God's word and that you'll get everything perfect. My prayer for you today is very, very simple. That you would receive the love of God in the most broken part of your life. Because it's actually in your brokenness that the spirit can pour through you and go to somebody else. The love of God that flows into the broken parts of your life and flows to other people, that's what God has called you to do. That's what he's called you to be. He's calling us to experience his love so that by his love all men will know that we are his disciples they will know that he loves them because of our love for them let me pray for you today father i just ask right now that each and every one of us would by the power of your spirit experience your love in our heart that's it i pray god that the most broken and unlovable parts of our life would be broken open today to receive the love that you have for us in our shame, in our guilt, in our fear, in our anger, in our unkindness, in our impatience, in in our lack of self-control, in all of the areas where we are not experiencing your love because we we are hiding these areas from you. I pray, God, that we would expose these areas to you so they can be filled with the love of the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can then flow this love out to somebody else and change this world in the name of Jesus Christ. To you be all the honor. To you be all the praise. To you be all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. Amen, everybody. Have an awesome week. We love you. We'll see you next week. Amen.